Hello and welcome to Whispers in the Wind, a podcast where your story has a voice. Today, I'm with the incredible Ben Kershaw, who has a charming story of how he was bit by the acting bug and how his art has transformed him into a person who has found inner wisdom and vigour. This is his story. What's your story about? So my story is generally about when I was 12 and 13 years old. I was in year 7, which was the first year of high school with me, and I was basically enrolled in a talent show. We had forms at my high school, and my form tutor was in this morning registration when someone came in. They offered a little sign-up sheet to go around the whole school for this talent show that was going on. Mostly, it was students in year 11, year 13 that were doing it, people that were pretty accomplished, and I, obviously, just joining the school, did not dare. Because, for a bit of context, I grew up a lot as a performer. From the age of four, I was going to theatre schools, uh, theatre-like clubs and things like that, taking part in various uh, performances. Basically, what happened is, because my tutor was aware of me having a theatrical background and really enjoying it, he just signed me up for it, just put my name down for it. Um, and when I asked him, because he told me, he said, I've just signed you up. He, I said, why did you do that? And he says, because he thought I could. So from that, I decided to push on, not back down to the challenge, although I did feel very uncomfortable to start with. I had no idea where to start because it's just a talent show, so it could be literally anything. And I ended up writing a comedy monologue, which was really, really fun, actually. At that point, I'd not really written that many pieces. I'd not had much experience with writing, but I found that it was a really good opportunity to find something that I had a passion for that I didn't even know about. And the main reason for it was just drive. So I want to go back to a little bit of your childhood, sort of where it all happened. So you said, you mentioned the fact it happened in a school talent show. So what I want to know is, how was school life at, a, I believe, a Catholic school, right? Right, yeah. You went to a Catholic school. So how was life at a Catholic school? It was a little bit like being in a bubble. Um because I'd come straight from a Catholic primary school as well. And most feeder schools that fed to St. Mary's, which was my high school, were from Catholic schools as well. So I wouldn't say that it felt like particularly strange that it that, that they pushed that view that way. And by no means was any part of the talent show like religious in any sense. I think that it was useful, an interesting point perhaps, that my form tutor was also an RE teacher who was Catholic as well, and he knew that I was. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I really, really enjoyed my time there. I felt very comfortable and it was a really welcoming school. Very nice. Uh, what would you think the difference is between a Catholic school and a public school? From my experience, and the, the, the biggest experience I had with that was when I was doing these drama schools and drama courses and whatnot. And because there'd be people from all other different kinds of schools there, and that was the only real experience apart from maybe, even when I did sports, most of the people were from my school. So... Yeah, that was different. It was different. And I feel like the main differences for me is that in a Catholic school, for me, at least, I felt very supported by all the teachers. They liked to take time and understand what I was going through at the time. And they were very open, very chatty. I think it kind of helped because I was an open person. I wasn't particularly shy talking to teachers. So, yeah, it was nice. Um, and all the friends that I made cherished memories and good times, really. I look at fond memories, to be honest. Well, speaking of fond memories, what was your favourite childhood memory and why? <laughs> Too many to pick. Maybe from this story, actually. Because looking back on it, I've had time to think 
about this interview and 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 the journey that this 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 monologue took me on because I did had to do this monologue performed it in front of the talent show 200 people at the age of 12 afterwards people started to give me a reality check and say that's pretty impressive and then I decided to do it at the end of the year as well I did it at the feast day in front of like the whole school which is over a thousand people it's really when I think back on it nothing can really top that for me what I want to know is then I want to know your journey into actually performing there so you mentioned the fact that your teacher had um put you in the talent show what made him do that and how did you feel when he did that I was kind of shocked at the time to be honest interesting because he was my form tutor for the whole duration of school later on in school I, I became head boy and, and he, I had a really good relationship with him without him I probably wouldn't have got as many of the teachers votes that you need to get to become the head boy um, and he kind of like t had told me that him growing up I reminded him of himself uh, like a young version of him uh, because he really liked doing performing arts and things he actually really pushed me to do much more acting things like this example here um, and he was very supportive and I think that he could see who I was straight away we had a quite a close relationship which was rare to be honest but nice was he the teacher that you were closest to or were you sort of close to all your teachers did you have a good relationship with them I'd say I was probably closer to him for sure because there was a time when it got to Christmas in fact my family because we'd done various things he did an extracurriculum activity outside of school which was the fair trade club I joined that and helped the school become a fair trade school within like three years so that was pretty fun and that was just between uh, him who led it from the teacher's side and then about five or six of us students um, and then also throughout like for Christmas we'd get him a hamper because he was we were really good friends uh, and when we graduated actually it was really really nice he turned up to our graduation like uh, night out and we all had great pictures and a great time and um, yeah no he was uh, I'd say definitely he would probably be my favorite teacher if I had to pick one Sounds almost like a best friend. Well, I mean, probably not that close. There was one time when we went on a school holiday and uh, we had to do like some kind of almost acting exercises where you'd be like, it was like musical chairs, but one person had to be the chair. And unfortunately, oh, wow. yeah, unfortunately I got paired up with this teacher right. and um, someone took a picture and uh, it was a bit of, there was a bit of a scandal about it. Uh, I can imagine, I can imagine. So just to, just to put this out there, it was purely, uh, yeah, it was a pure game. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Get that thought out of your mind. <laughs> For all you listening, I know what you're thinking. Ain't nothing to do with that. Very good. Very nice. Okay. So, talk to me about the feelings you had when, so you said he, he put you in to this talent show. Yeah, he put my name down on the uh, on the talent show form that came out and it went round each, each form room in the morning and... Some people, there's only about three people that I remember from our year that actually put their names down and went forward because there wasn't just, there wasn't just a, um, like you put your name down and you're in. You have to turn up to an audition then. And I actually forgot this, but I, I, then the reason why I forgot about the audition back then and now is because I just got told that, I didn't get told much information apart from that I've been signed up. The day of the initial auditions, my teacher came and found me on the corridor and said, why are you not at the auditions? They're on now. They're waiting for you. So I was like, oh, my God, what? I didn't even know I had to do an audition. Uh, and I literally walked up there and improvised the most ridiculous story about walking down an Iceland shopping centre or something like that. And they liked it and they put me on. Because um, you're from up north, aren't you? 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Accrington. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in Accrington for about seven years. When you did the audition, how did you feel? Well, the the, the minutes beforehand, I was, um, I, I could feel my heart beating through my chest because I just thought, what on earth am I going to do here? I kind of stood there and I saw what the previous audition was, which was someone singing a song, which obviously I hadn't rehearsed for. I had literally nothing. So I just kind of stood there. Do you know what the strange thing was? There was? As soon as I had something to say, as soon as I found like a little story to go down, the nerves just went and I just had fun with it because I didn't have the attitude of being like, oh, if this doesn't go well, it doesn't go well. I, I really didn't, that the stakes weren't that high for me, although I had no idea what I was doing. Like I was happy to, to just see where it went and it was fun. If only life was like that now. You just, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but it ain't gonna hurt me. And I'm having a good time. It's pretty much been my philosophy since then, to be honest, just see what happens and if you enjoy it carry on doing it okay nice so you actually performed there for the audition so i'm assuming you got selected yes yes you got selected right so once you got selected and you realized you now had to be on stage to perform in front of a live audience at 200 people um as a live stage did you know the time you will be performing from 200 people no no I thought it was just going to be mainly students that were going to be there, but in fact there were no students allowed to be there, oh, apart wow. from the ones performing. Um, yeah, that was it was it was a bit daunting when I found out. So okay, so what did you end up? Did you have a whole? Did you have a whole like actors montage of like I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this? Like what what actually happened? Exactly that. I had like a week of just being like sat in front of a blank piece of paper. And would just keep like pulling my hair up, being like, "What am I gonna do? Like, what's this gonna be about? How?" Like, because they said that every piece should last between like three and five minutes. So I knew that I had to do something for three minutes. And yeah, it was a case of massively just rushing around trying to find the right thing to to do. And eventually, bit by bit, I started to come up with like the odd random joke that I enjoyed doing and made a big long story out of it. What was the joke? It was about crunchy nuts. I'm sorry, something else went in my head. Yeah, that's the point. It was, uh, yeah, a bit of the double entendre. Uh, and the school loved it. I mean, that line, I had, I went out into Leeds on a night out about three years ago. This was, this was seven years after it had happened. Um, and a person met me in a club and straight up said to me, are you the crunchy nuts man? They'd remembered for seven I love years. It. I love it. Are you the crunchy nuts man? What did you say? Did you embrace the name? Totally. I was like, yes, I am the Crunchy Nuts man. Thank you for remembering. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it worked. Um, and there were some other jokes in there that were, that landed and were funny, but that one brought the house down. <laughs> did, 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 did you know what you were actually talking about when you said Crunchy Nuts? Did you think of the cereal? Well, originally I thought the cereal because I was 12 and hungry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I just thought, oh, that's actually pretty funny because I, I read it afterwards and was like, oh. That actually means something else. Ah. And uh, then I started working it with other people, and yeah, it, was, it stuck. You didn't put any milk jokes in there, did you? Yeah, well, there was milk, and then there wasn't milk, because the milk sloshed around in the car journey. Because this, <laughs> this is in a car as well, by the way, so there's a lot of sloshing. Right. And I find there's my fictional brother uh, who needs to go to the bathroom um, and then decides to use my crunchy nut bowl with my crunchy nuts to go into the bathroom in... And then that, obviously, I'm not going to consume that because I'm not a mental 12-year-old, but I can pick that up and throw it out the window. Right. And basically, the the 
the last joke in it all was that the head teacher was cycling past the car at the same time, and I'd just thrown a ball of crunchy nuts and, um, yeah, bodily fluids at the head teacher, which isn't a true story, I'll be honest, but um, had a lot of inspirations and it brought the house down. What I want to know is this: when you went on stage, were you nervous? For the talent show? Yeah. Yes, massively. Talk to me about that. When you went on stage, the actual whole process, you had written this monologue now, and uh, you you didn't know it was going to do well. So talk to me about that. You've written the monologue. You It's the night of the performance. What was going through your head, and how did the whole thing take place? I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like, I went home that day, and I remember having dinner and just being completely fine because I wasn't thinking about it at all. And then I actually had to leave and go there. And uh, yeah, that's when it started to kick in. I enjoyed the first act of the talent show because I didn't have to be in it, so I just watched. But realising how good some of these people were, singers, dancers, um, some, some guy did a magic trick, which was pretty good. Uh, I couldn't have done it, that's for sure. So I was just sat there thinking, I've got to try and compete with these. And then the second half started and the one other person that was in my year was singing beforehand um, and was singing Adele's Rolling in the Deep. I love that song. That song, like, I loved it to bits and he was doing a brilliant job of singing it, but at that point I was not the biggest fan of that song in the world. I, I wanted it to go on forever right. so that I didn't never had to go on stage. So you were really scared? Yeah, I was shaking. My legs were shaking, like... Was your breathing shot as well? Yeah, I was just, just about to say, like, I had to really focus on my breathing. At that point, I'd not really done much training. I'd done a few drama school clubs and things, but you don't, you're not trained as as we are now. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I managed to to like not collapse before going on, That's and I had it. to carry on a an office chair as well. Wow. Um, yeah, that was my only prop, and a bowl, an office chair and a bowl, um, and there was a spotlight on me that followed me around. And no nuts. No, it was an empty bowl. The nuts were yeah, imaginary. Nuts yeah, nuts with you. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I had. I had some nuts. <laughs> yeah. Not the crunchiest ones, but... Okay, you went on stage. How were the first few moments when you saw everybody? Yeah, at first, because I, I had a little dramatic pause at that point. I kind of looked up and because the light was just on me, you couldn't see much, but you could just see black heads all the way back. You know, when you're performing and you, you have that, like, you know that they're, they're there, but you oh, can't yeah, see yeah, their you faces. Can't see it because all the lights, yeah. But you know they're there. And at first I was like, oh, wow, okay. But then, as soon as I found the rhythm with it, and they started to actually bounce off a few jokes, the nerves melted, like, so quickly. Obviously, you were nervous, and it's, it's normal to be nervous and everything else. Did you have any other contributing factors that added to your nervousness, apart from the fact that, you know, you were going to be performing for other people? Were there, what were the other contributing factors? So I had family members there, and um, my granddad was there, and he really wasn't well at, the, at that time. Um, he, yeah, really wasn't that well. Actually, didn't stay for all of it because the first bit he realised I wasn't there for, so he went and stayed outside in the car, and then came back for the second act to see me. And the pre I knew the pressure was on because my granddad very rarely like went places at that stage in his life, um, and so he was there, and he was like my idol. I'd I'd rehearsed and created most of it at his house because wow, there was so nothing else to do really. So wow, so did he help you with it a lot? Uh, bits, yeah. I do it for him quite a few times. My dad was definitely key as well in helping create it and and, and make sure that the rhythm was there and the the, the pace of it. Uh, but yeah, for sure, it was it was pressure because I I really wanted to prove myself and prove I could do this. Um, which yeah, I was I was happy to say I did, which was good.
what actually happened to him? So, I mean, I'm trying to think about what year it was. So it would have been either 2012, 2013. He was just, I think he, he had Parkinson's, so he wasn't particularly mobile. So it was, but I mean, the fact that he went and watched, he was so like elated coming out of it. Like he was so happy that he saw it and I was so happy that he saw it. But, but beforehand, I knew I had to get it right because because he was there. I mean, my aunts and uncles were there as well as my parents, so there was a, a fair few Kershaws in there, but... Um, Him being there meant the world to you. Yeah, no, he was... It was important that he was there. And did that give you the motivation to really go out and do your best? Is that is that what carried you forward? Yeah, it's definitely what helped get me up on that stage, because there was no way I wasn't going to do it, because I, I had to do it, and that was it. That That... That threw me on the stage, but I think it was something within myself that helped me settle and calm myself. But yeah, because the expectation was there, I had to step up and do it. I mean, it's true. I mean, sometimes you, it's harder to do things for yourself than it is to do for others. If, you, if you're doing it for yourself, sometimes you just can't do it. But if you're doing it for others, it just gives you the willpower to keep going. It, it's true. Definitely. There's a, there's a Jordan Peterson rule for life, which is you have to treat yourself as if as you would treat your pet. People are so happy to uh, rigorously give their pets medicine or look after them, be in a routine. But with ourselves, we, we tend to like let that go for some reason. Uh, and I, can't, I, I, I resonate with that, that you have to have a bit of, you have to really take care of yourself, for sure. You said you performed two shows, didn't you? Yes, yeah, the yeah. feast day show was the end of the year one. Talk to me about that. So, yeah, the, the second show was ridiculous because that one was in front of the whole school. How many people was that? About definitely over 1,600 kids and teachers. Yeah, it was it was a sports hall where people would do exams and it had a massive stage on there and then year by year, they were all just sat on chairs, everyone. And then all the teachers were at the back on, like, higher chairs, yeah. on benches. And... Uh, for some reason, I decided to sign up and do it again. <laughs> so this time you signed up yourself. Yeah, this time I was just like, well, I did it then. Let's just upgrade it and do it for the whole school. Because I talked about it quite a bit after doing the talent show. I had such a buzz because I was like, oh, my God, I can do this. This is actually really fun. So this gave you this this sense of drive, I take it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that grit to just be like, I want to want to do it again. It was so much fun. Let's, no. let's go. And man, I was... I mean, I, I don't know if I was as nervous the first time or the second time, which one I was more nervous with. But yeah, it was the second time. Once I got on, it was a lot more comfortable. Uh, and I kind of, because I'd done it before, had that experience. So it helped. Is that where you got bit by the acting bug? Yeah, potentially. But the thing is, that wasn't, I wouldn't describe that as acting so much. It was performing. Um, looking back on it now, I think I've, because I've done... I've done a I've kind of specialised in various acting things that I I really enjoyed doing. One of them is clown. Spent like cumulatively, obviously, we studied clown together. Yeah, clown was so much fun. I'm still a clown. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, mate. You have to be a clown. Yeah. Um. I mean, for sure, it it was brilliant. And then te learning from Mark Winstanley, Stanley, I did a, an extra few courses and, and a couple of years. I've done a few other workshops with other people. Nice. Um, and I really enjoy it. And and I feel thinking back on it, that monologue, the first two performances it was basically a clown performance but with a lot of words yeah um and that i just really had so much fun doing it but for acting it was probably when i performed the role of john proctor in the crucible uh, right. that was when i was in year 13 so i was a lot older then um but it was a different thing because it's, it's a it's not funny and b it's it's a long time to act like five a five minute monologue is one thing to be on as the titular well not titular character but the main character in, in the crucible was 
was a, a challenge and I really, really enjoyed that. So do you still act? Yeah, yeah, where I can. Um, I've moved down to London now. I've been here for about a year and four months now and been doing various different workshops. Done a few short films to, to update my showreel, get myself working again. Have you done any professional jobs yet? Uh, I've been paid for various different things, but not. I wouldn't say that they're professional. They weren't put out on, on big channels. I did things for websites and I've done things. Legal things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry. It's, it's legal if there's a camera, so it's fine. Clothes are on. Jesus, <laughs> even by your standards, that's a joke. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, no, yes, completely legal things. Uh, things for like colleges. Um, I did one for the company that I worked for, which was nice. I was being paid anyway, so that was just like a, a thing that I had to do. Yeah. Um, and then a few newspapers, but that's not. That's more interviews than than it is performing. You been on the Graham Norton show yet? No, no, not yet. Unfortunately, not soon. Yeah. I do want to know one thing. When you started to act, did you tell your parents about it? Yeah, yeah. My dad used to be a big musical theatre person. Um, he kind of that was just when he was very, very young, and then when he left school, he went and started working in the industry that he's been in for so long. But he really had a passion for performing on stage. Doing he did several musicals, um, and we did a. Shakespeare to get the taming of the shrew he yeah. did kiss me Kate which is a musical version of of that uh, nice. the, yeah Shakespeare piece so yeah for all you listening I was groomio and I was a goddamn good groomio <laughs> one thing I've learned as an actor and artist you have to understand yourself and discover yourself all the time to get the most out of your art so I wanted to understand Ben's personal inward journey. How did his journey into becoming an actor change who he was? Okay, I was thinking. So I understood this thing. When you're a child and you are growing up, no matter who you are, you get certain traits stuck within you. Um, and they sort of stay with you your entire life. Some get stronger, some slightly get weaker, but they're always there. So I wanted to know, can you... Can you tell me what trait you love about yourself and why? It's a great question. Um, it's kind of hard to say. I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm very patient as a person. Um, I'm very tolerant. And I think that I can put up with things that other people probably would get to a point where they, where they couldn't go any further. Um, and I take pride in being able to set myself a task and stick to it. And I will stick to it like glue and will achieve it. Like I, it, when I put my mind to a task or a challenge, I go into like a, a mission like mode and nothing's going to stop me from, from achieving that basically. And that's something that I'm very proud to have. Why would you say that's the trait that you have? It's a very good trait, don't get me wrong. But why would you say you have that trait? Did you do you think it was born within you? Did you learn it? Is it someone in your family that helped you get that? I think it's something that's always been around me to an extent. Um, trying to like do your best and achieve everything that you can do. Um, there's no point doing something if you're going to do it half-assed. You need to try and commit everything. And obviously, there's times where you try and do things and you get it wrong, or you try and do things and it doesn't work. But if you apply absolutely everything into it, more often you're going to get it right than wrong, in my experience. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, to ask where it comes from is, is, is a really tough question. It's like, 
maybe it's nature, maybe it's nurture. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm currently reading a book about it as well, but it's uh, it's a really interesting concept where kind of that grit comes from. Um, but I, I feel like I've, I have a, I've certainly an element of it for sure. So I want to go to the opposite side now. Can you tell me a trait you hate about yourself? And can it be, I want to know, did you get this trait along your journey? Yeah, this trait comes in hand in hand with, um, I think it's the vice of excess of the previous trait I've just mentioned. So when I set myself a challenge and I am really want to achieve it, I can be so uber critical of myself that I just make myself want to disappear. Um, it really can be like, for example, I've done performances where it's been passable by a general standard. And in fact, looking back on it, I know I've done a good job. Mm. However, there's been times where I've started to doubt myself. I get myself into a really bad place because I know it could be better. When in real in reality, I need to step back and go, actually, that was a really decent job. Be proud of that. Move on. I'll always try and think, I, need, I could have done this better. That wasn't good enough. Should have done this. Should have done this. And I'm very self-critical at times. So how do you combat that? By starting to realise that it's... that you can accept to fail like you learn from your failings and it's not having the the problem come to you it's the, the ability to kind of work around it and to be able to pick yourself back up and just try again learn from what you've not got wrong don't torment yourself about it um it took me a long time to kind of try and realize that as well could you talk to me about your process about how you actually come back to because sometimes well actually most times it's easier said than done you know, people know they should not beat themselves about it, even if something small. Yeah, sure. But but they don't know how to start. I think you have to prioritise. You have to realise what the context is and how significant it really is. You've got to ask that question of, is it life or death? Is What's at jeopardy here? I may have messed up an audition, for example, and or you may have messed up something professionally you've made a mistake you've missed an email you've deleted something someone comes at you and there's a problem but i think you just have to know it's not life or death you can move on from that and you can there's always a way to prioritize how big something is i think if you put it into reality nine out of ten times what you're overthinking is not worth it because mm. most of the time it's out of your hands anyway and don't be afraid to fail as well. Like, have that attitude sometimes of being like, yeah, no, I'll stick to my guns, I'll back myself. And I know I may have got it wrong last time, but I'm going to go for it this time. One thing I know, working as an actor is often a collaborative process. And you often have to have team building skills. So I wanted to know more about what Ben values in others and how his acting journey shaped him as a person overall, not just as an actor. Okay. So what trait do you hate in others and what was your first experience with this first trait like? It's a good question. It's one that I hate is like a really strong word. I know it's a strong word. However, there are people, everyone has a person or a type of person they just cannot gel with. Yeah. And oftentimes we don't know what it is, but what I found it's normally a trait that they seem to have. Whether you can see it or feel it or not, there's always a trait there. And I think understanding what that trait is that you don't like in others, it can help you actually navigate your way past it to work with them. You can find a way to get through it. Because um, sometimes you have to work with the enemy. 
you have to work with people you do not like to get something you want to get. So I want to know what's the trait you hate in others, because everyone has. I mean, I'm I'm stuck between between two things, but they're somewhat similar, to be honest. And I think it's I think it's a trait of dishonest people, people that like to put on a, a facade of something that they aren't. It's not that they're trying to be someone else. It's more that they're trying to hide who they are. That that kind of can 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 get me. And aside from that, it's people that don't listen and pretend that they don't have the time to listen to you or, or they don't open themselves up to, to speak to you. They try and close themselves off and just kind of have like a an exterior that's that's so hard to get through that they just don't act like they have the time of day for you. That can get on my nerves. But most people, that's like mostly it, to be honest. It's it's people that don't have the time, that don't you don't get that connection with, that don't open themselves up to be able to have a chat about things. And, and that for me, it's a shame because there's always an opportunity to to connect with someone as you've said there's, there's always even if you, you're not very similar to the person that you're with you can always normally work around differences find similarities but people that are so closed off don't give themselves the opportunity to do that that frustrates me a bit okay so i have a bit of a bigger question here now if you were to die let's say you can come back as a person or thing okay what would you want to come back as and why knowing what you know of your life right now do you know what weirdly the first thing i thought of is is like to come back as my father or like my father or like my grandfather or like uh, like an older family member why is that i always grew up hearing so many cool stories about what it was like to grow up in in an earlier era like the 70s or the 80s um and they had so much fun i mean yeah the technology that we have now the tech like phones and stuff it makes life so much easier as it was back then but the amount of fun that you could have and the amount of just i feel like there was more of a community back then i don't know i felt like everything was a bit purer than it is now everything that we have with technology now can it can benefit lives but it can also like dull them and put like a can make people not appreciate what's right in front of them you know so it's um maybe something like that or maybe equally i've always wanted like there's always been a part of me that if I could go down a different career path, if I could like be a completely different person, um, I don't know why. It's probably because I love Star Wars, but it could be <laughs> that I want to be like a, a an admiral in a navy. I really? would love that job. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. Complete switch. Yeah. Don't know where. It, there's just a certain thing inside me. It's like a switch. I'm either going to be a performer, actor, fun guy, or I'm going to be like rear rear admiral or someone like that fair enough fair enough i couldn't i can see that that's that's a very interesting switch actually okay now i ask i ask everyone this question at the end of my podcast i always say what's the one message you would want to tell our audience okay audience are you listening um I'd, i'd want to say two things firstly that you have to take that opportunity if there's something that kind of that you've got a spark for whether it's like cooking or whether it's any kind of skill that you've got a passion for and an opportunity comes up for you to show that say it's a cooking show say it's a talent show say it's whatever it might be a pub quiz and you want to just express some kind of some some part of yourself that you have fun with do it like for sure do it if you enjoy like watching football go and play it push that that fun that you have 
and try and just see where it can go. It can maybe blossom into something fantastic that you like even more. Equally though, don't get too hung up on it. Know when to step back and say, oh no, this is too much. This is like, I'm taking too much, in, I'm not putting too much into this, it's not worth it, it's chill. And those two things there. But take, take the risk, but know when you're in too deep as well. Thank you for your story. As you can see, in order to be an incredible artist, you need to understand who you are as a person. But this rule doesn't just apply to being an artist. This applies to you and your story. Do you know who you are? Do you want to know who you are? Do you have the courage to go after the thing you want? Do you even know what you want? I think to understand certain steps in your life, you need to answer these kinds of questions. And it's only through that you can understand yourself. Once you understand yourself, you can do anything because you know how you work. You know what makes you tick and you have control over that. That is the most important thing you have. Growth happens the most when you're uncomfortable. Remember that. If you like this story, then please leave a comment on what you learned from this story and leave a rating you think this show deserves. As always, I'm Zafran Ahmed and this is Whispers in the Wind, giving your stories a voice. Thanks for listening.